0: Five seconds. He's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown. Carolina back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And it's (laughs) Power with a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Cupack. Give up, Davis. He's gonna be taken. He's, He's, good. Good. He's terrible.
1: Terrible. unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unreal. Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second
0: punt and scores his second touchdown of the season. It's 14 to 13. Mr. Jordan, meets Mr. Walker.
1: Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side, Geo at the 35, Gio, he's at the 50, no he's not,
0: yes he is, Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown, are you kidding me? This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. We welcome in the man that writes the college football Bible. I am so excited to have him back on. It is Phil Steele. Um, Sir, you you just mentioned to me, you know, you're going through what you consider your fun time of year, but I think for all of us diehard college football fans and probably yourself, you feel that, you know, being able to write about college football and and break it down for 365 days a year, uh, that's got to be just the most exciting job on the planet, isn't it? Is it not? It's
1: it's a lot of work, Anthony, and I mentioned that uh, my fun time is actually the summertime because magazine season, which starts the uh, Sunday after uh, Thanksgiving, and goes all the way through the end of May, six full months, we're stressing I'm on deadlines, and then football season comes, and it's those hundred-hour work weeks where you're just trying to, to take in every game from the week and analyze everything that just happened in the past week and get ready for the next weekend. But this time of year, heck, I'm doing you know my radio shows during the day and talking football. What the heck? That's,
0: that's pretty easy. Well, yeah, I'm glad that we were able to get you on, and hopefully you'll have a little fun talking a little Tar Heel football. You know, I wanted to start. Just give me your initial reaction to when Mac Brown was hired, and now what do you think of the hire? I mean, someone like you that is, you know, has been around college football for as long as you have, I think you might have have a, had a little bit of a different perspective on it than maybe some of the younger writers when it first happened. I'm
1: I'm very happy with the the higher Mac Brown and uh you know uh, we're losing him at ESPN, unfortunately, but uh, that's okay because I think he's going to do a great job at North Carolina. And he's a guy that still has the fire in his belly, still going to get it done. And the key when you hire a guy like Mac Brown coming in uh, is probably the coordinators. And look at the coordinators that he hired. A guy like Phil Longo on the offense, Jay Bateman on the defense, who did wonders at Army last year. Uh, those are two significant hires. And, you know, I went through the entire team with Coach Brown. He knows his team inside and out. He's not just a, uh, a guy that's a, a figurehead up there. He's a guy that's uh, really anxious to get this thing turned around. And, and let's face it, I think he actually steps into a pretty good situation because if you look at Larry Fedora's last two years, pretty much if it could go wrong, it went wrong for the Tar Heels, starting that's with right. all those suspensions last year, then the myriad of injuries. Every time a quarterback seemed to be taking control last year, he would get injured. Uh, I think Mac Brown steps into a pretty good situation.
0: Now let me ask you about Phil Long because there were some concerns initially um, really that were uh, kind of spurred on by people that are around Ole Miss and our Ole Miss fans w- when it comes to Phil Longo is this a guy that you know can move the ball down the field but did have trouble scoring in the red zone or is that a little bit blown out of proportion by some of the people around Ole Miss and some of the fans
1: at times, and Mm -hmm. a lot of that was because they were almost a a pure passing offense at times. You know, you look at the fact that uh, what uh, Ole Miss had was dynamic receivers, and you've got to take advantage of your best assets, and A.J. Brown, Demarcus Lodge, D.K. Metcalf, those are assets you want to take advantage of, plus a veteran quarterback, so that'll hurt you in a red zone a little bit. Now, here at North Carolina, the running backs are easily the strongest and deepest position on the entire team, with Javante Williams, Antonio Williams, Michael Carter, and I've followed Phil Longo since his days in FCS, and I can tell you that his teams can run the football, and I think this year's team will run the football, and that's going to help them out in the red zone. So the problems that they had last year at Ole Miss were one, I thought Ole Miss was a little overrated coming into the year. And B, the, the talent he had spoke to being a, a more of a pass attack offense and that's going to hurt you in the red zone.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with the fact that the running game for the Tar Heels is going to be probably their strength on offense. Now when it comes to the quarterback position, you mentioned that last year, every time that they got someone rolling at quarterback, it, mostly the two redshirt freshmen, both guys went down with injuries. Now both of those guys are back and you know they've Nathan Elliott has moved on as a graduate assistant and they've got a new guy in there and Sam Howell who comes in who's a true freshman when you look at this quarterback battle we saw a little bit of it in the spring game but it's still I think a pretty decent ways off from being decided who do you think has the edge out of these three quarterbacks or did Mac Brown maybe give you something that he's not telling us local media guys
1: you know uh, Coach Brown did say in the spring game that Sam Howell started but it's because he won a rock-paper-scissors contest to be the starter <laughs> but uh, just uh, just going over the conversation and have my thought process put into it mm-hmm. I'm actually projecting Sam Howell as the starting QB and that's not something Mac Brown said he clearly said it's a, a three-man duel they're gonna see who does the best over the summer right. they're gonna see who does the best in August and I, I honestly believe that that's the case but I like what I saw to Kate Fortin last year I like what I out of rudder. Rudder's probably the best athlete. He's a big, mm-hmm. strong kid. He's a dual-threat guy that can run. Uh, you go to Cade Fortin, he's a, a quality QB. Now, last year he only hit 49%, but I think a lot of that was the situation he was in. He's 6'3", 210, can throw the ball. And then you take a look at Sam Howell. may have a little bit of Baker Mayfield type stuff in him. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a guy that's going to be able to work and win the job. And uh, this, this was one of the tougher QB calls for me because I really didn't get an idea from the coach he was going to start,
0: but I went with the true freshman. So when you look at the wide receiving core, Phil Longo has always had really good wide receivers, and we saw that the last two years at Ole Miss for him. I know that Daz Newsome's the guy that everybody's going to focus on, but is there another name that you're keeping an eye on to be a guy that maybe catches the football a little bit more this year than he did last year and surprised some people around the ACC?
1: We'll go with De'Ami Brown then. If you're not mentioning Newsom, and I think Newsom is probably the top guy, but Diami Brown is a guy 6'1, 185, so he's a little bit bigger than Newsom. Probably the fastest receiver on the team. You're clear, deep ball threat. He's got track speed. And last year, as a true frost, he only caught 17 passes. Mm-hmm. But I think that was part due to the, the quarterbacks. I mean, how many quarterbacks North Carolina played? 15, 20 of them last year, same? Uh, I think there was better, uh, more solid quarterback play, you'll see him be a bigger factor. So I'm going to go with
0: De'Ami Brown. So when you look at the offensive line, and this is the last thing we'll touch on with the offense, this seems like a unit that is in pretty good shape, uh, despite losing a guy in J.J. McCargo who steps away due to medical reasons. But for the most part, I mean, you look at Nick Polino, who's actually going to move over to center. He's a veteran guy that, you know, has seemed to improve every year. Charlie Heck on the outside has just been, you know, that uh, he's been the, the rock on the outside. There's no other way to put it. And then some of the other guys, uh, I I like Jordan Tucker a lot at offensive tackle who comes in. So, is this a unit that Toriel fans should be feeling pretty confident about on the offensive line?
1: And in fact, uh, you know, surprisingly, in my offensive line ratings in the magazine, I've got the Tar Heels rated number 22. So I, I think the biggest question mark probably on the interior, uh, you know, what what they've got at the center and the guard positions. And there still could be some shakeup there. Uh, but I think this is solid tackle. They've got experience. And uh, I believe that uh, they will have an improved offensive line this year. And they can only, uh, they, you know, they can only stay healthier.
0: Talking to the man that writes the college football Bible, it is. Phil Steele with us. Want to flip over to the defensive side of the football. It looks like the offense is going to be what's going to drive this team. Mostly because there just isn't a whole lot of depth. There is some talent but the depth there is very thin. The best unit I would say in my mind would be the defensive line. There were some injuries in the spring but if these guys can get healthy, guys like Jason Strobridge, Timon Fox, this gives the Tar Heels a good chance to succeed. When you look at this defensive line, where do you you see this group stacking up because I feel like this is one that's being underrated by a lot of the national people. Yeah, I would
1: agree. I- Put him in my top defensive line rankings at the front of the magazine, mm-hmm. and you know, going back to the hard luck that uh, Coach Fedora had, he take a guy like Aaron Crawford. Last year, when I talked to Coach Fedora and was going through the team with him in the spring, he said that Aaron Crawford is the best player on defense. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out the injury in the first game of the season. Right. So I mean, that just happens. And so you've got Crawford, you've got Strobridge, you've got Fox. I do think the defensive line is uh, probably, uh, you know, depth might be your biggest. Is concerned because you've got to play two units, mm-hmm. but I love their starting three, and I think that Crawford and Strowbridge both have NFL potential uh, for the nose guard defensive end spot, and, and Fox can definitely get some pressure on the quarterback. You know, he only had two sacks last year, but I think he's going to have a much bigger year this
0: year. I totally agree with that, and I think he's actually a great fit in Jay Bateman's defense. Now, Jay Bateman's defense really does thrive on athletic linebackers, and unfortunately for him, he won't have Cole Holcomb, who ended up Uh, graduating and actually getting drafted into the NFL but when you look at this linebacker unit it's an interesting one because I think there are some guys with real potential like Jonathan Smith who just really hasn't been able to put it all together and there's a couple other names that I think a lot of people will be keeping an eye on when you look at that linebacker unit outside of the depth concerns you know who do you think has to step forward in order for that Tar Heel linebacking core to take a step forward from where they've been the last few years
1: you know, I think the best linebacker, probably Dominique Ross coming in, yeah. 6'3", 220, can be a dominant player. He's got length, can run, and he's a good pass rusher as well. So he's a guy that, you know, in the Bateman defense is going to be used as that pass rusher type. The intriguing one to me is probably Chad Surratt, the uh, ex-quarterback that moved over. And Surratt's a guy that can run. He's physical and could be really good. I think that uh, he requested the move to linebacker, and I think, you know, four tackles, one sack in the spring game. I'm looking forward to see how he adjusts to the linebacker position. I think he's going to do well.
0: And so, when you look at the secondary, this was a position that, you know, under Larry Fedora was relatively successful. He put out a bunch of really good guys there. I think when you look at the secondary, there is some talent here with guys like Patrice Renee and Miles Dorn, but there is some concern here, especially at safety when it comes to depth. When you look in this secondary, is this a unit that you can feel confident in outside of Renee and Dorn or are there just too many question marks yeah they recently added Bryce Watts right from uh, Virginia Tech right but I do believe he is going to have to sit out that would be a humongous oh. break if we were able to add him
1: yeah, that would be a big thing if he's able to come in because he was a 12-game starter at Virginia Tech. But as you touched on, when you got Dorn, Dorn's a guy that has NFL potential at the free safety spot, so I like that. He's an impact leader, an impact player, and a leader. Uh, now, he missed the spring, but I think he'll be 100% for the fall. you got guys like Ross and Wolf who have starting experience, but they may lose their jobs. You are looking at a guy like Cam Kelly, the true freshman coming in. Right. You know, he's a quarterback in high school. He's big. He can run. He's a transfer from Auburn. I think he can come in. Actually, steal one of the cornerback jobs and give him an upgrade at that position. So, overall, I do think North Carolina will have a solid secondary.
0: Really intriguing there. Yeah, I would definitely. That's what we like to hear. Mac Brown wanted competition, and if that does happen, that would be amazing. So, when you look at the special teams unit, that was one of the specialties under Larry Fedora. Those were always probably the units that everybody was taking a look at. And you get a guy like Daz Newsome coming back who will handle punt returns, might handle kick returns as well. But really, the kicking game I think is important, especially if what we talked about with Phil Longo's offense where they were, had some struggles scoring in the red zone does end up coming back at Carolina. So when you look at this special teams unit, I mean, is this a unit that can at the least key, you know, help keep Carolina from losing those games close like they did a year ago?
1: Touched on it. Coach Fedora did a phenomenal job with special teams. You look at the last four years' rankings, they ranked number 22, number 20, number 33, and number 34 in my special teams' rankings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, North Carolina's coming off seasons where they were 3 and 9 and 2 and 9. You don't normally get in the top 35 uh, in years like that, but North Carolina was. Now, this year, the reason they're not up in my top of the rankings is just there are some questions I need to see how the new players do. But you look at the kicker, uh, Michael Oberbino, a grad transfer from our uh, Appalachian State. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's done well there in 15 to 21 field goals in 16. And then Ben Kiernan, the true freshman punter. Coach Brown felt he was one of the best high school punters in the country coming in. Mm. Maybe he can win that job, and if he does, he averaged 45.8 on his punts, with 23 of them inside the 20 last year. And then as you touched on, you got a guy like Daz Newsom returning your punts at 15.1 yards per catch. The potential's there for them to remain strong on special teams, and that could be
0: huge. Last question with the man that writes the college football Bible, Phil Steele. When you look at this schedule, the more that I've looked at it, the front of that schedule is going to be tough. And there are a lot of people that think there is some potential for there to be a Scott Frost at a Nebraska-like start where you do end up going 0-4, 0-5. I mean, is that what you're kind of seeing? I mean, from my perspective, I really hope not. But um, is, is that – front of the schedule, really the toughest part of the schedule for the Tar Heels.
1: Uh, well, there are three games early on that really intrigue me, and I think they're going to be the key to North Carolina's season overall. Uh, you go to the Wake Forest game. Uh, yes, it's on the road. It is a non-conference game, I realize that, but it's big for the overall season because if you want to get to a bowl game, you've got to get six wins. Right. I rate that game close to a toss-up. I think North Carolina can play with Wake Forest. Uh, you know, it's good to see that rivalry renewed. They haven't played each other for a little bit, and uh, that's a game where I've got Wake a very slight favorite. Then you look at the App State game game. And App State's got a new head coach as well. So you wonder if App State's going to be uh, as good as they were last year. Now, they will be fresh off a of bye. North Carolina will be playing their fourth straight game, but that's a game North Carolina's got the potential win. And then the Georgia Tech one as well on the road. GT's got a brand new head coach. But I think the learning curve... For Georgia Tech's uh, new head coach uh, in uh, Jeff Collins, going to be a little bit steeper than Mac Brown's in the fact that he's taken option team, option personnel, and trying to convert them into a, a, pro, st- a pro style spread more. And that's going to usually, as we saw with Scott Frost last year, take a little bit of time. They were going from a pass offense to more of a, an option oriented spread offense. And it took Nebraska a little bit of time. So I think North Carolina's got a shot in all three of those games. And if they pick those three up, You know, you look at the second half of the season, Duke at home, Virginia at home, I think is a a game they'd have a shot at. Mercer at home, those are all games that, you know, uh, North Carolina has a legitimate shot at. So how they do in those three games early
0: will be the key. Well, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting season. And uh, thank you, Phil, for joining us. This has been amazing, as always. Uh, I know last year you were a big hit. This year uh, you'll probably be just as big of a hit. We love it. And uh, you gave us some great insight. So tell the people just really quickly, where they can find you on social media and where they can find the magazine so they make sure they have it.
1: I appreciate that, Anthony. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at PhilSteel 042. That's at PhilSteel 042. Uh, you can go to my website, which is philsteel.com. Order the magazine there. You can download it to your iPad, Android device, Kindle, or even your computer. That is philsteel.com. And finally, go to uh, the newsstands, June the 25th. it hits Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Books a Million, CBS, Target, Walgreens. 352 pages. I feel it's got three to four times it of information in the other college football preview magazine
0: I will not argue with you on that I get it every year and it's one of my favorite reads uh really of, of anything that I read all year so Phil uh hey thanks for joining us uh best of luck this college football season and we'll talk to you down the line probably next season around this same time to help preview the 2020 Tar Heels
1: sounds great Anthony always great talking Tar Heel football with
0: you all right yes sir you take care and we'll talk to you down the line All right, so that's Phil Steele, the man that writes the college football Bible. Always, always one of my favorites to get on this podcast. We literally went through every position group and broke it down for you guys. That was phenomenal. I cannot say how excited I am. That was great. And he gave us a lot of great insight. I mean, this is a team that... I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out at this time, what exactly is this 2019 Toriel team going to be? You know, you've got a lot of energy that's coming back into the program. There is a lot of talent here. There's not that much depth. The schedule is a little front-loaded, but that could lend well if you can get some wins early on. So, we'll have so many more previews coming up. we got guys coming in. I know Athlon Sports, we're going to have Steve Lassen, who was with us last year, stop by. We're going to up bill bender again soon from the sporting news and he'll come on and help preview the 2019 tar heels but phil steele what a phenomenal job can't believe that we were able to get him on back to back years and hopefully we'll be able to get him on again next year so you can find the podcast on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn.com, and the TuneIn app. You're going to want to check that out. You can also go to the website slash podcast and that's where you can find the Heel Tough Blog podcast. We got so many great things going on there. Yesterday, I talked to David Hale about Mac Brown and everything that he's got going on. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy that is pretty high on Mac Brown and he, and David is a guy that is close to the ACC so get his perspective on an article that he wrote earlier in the year of course you can go back and listen to our interviews with some of the local newspaper guys uh, from the 2020 commits area so we got Langston Worts Jr. the Charlotte Observer talking about the guys that were committed at the time in the Charlotte area of course everything uh, on the recruiting trail now has taken off so we got some guys that maybe weren't committed at the time that are committed now that might not be on there, but we also got Malik Hornsby talk from Adam Coleman of the Houston Chronicle. We've got uh, Richard Davenport on Jacoby Criswell, who just got his team announced for the opening. He'll be part of Team Money, so if you're a guy that really gets into the opening, I mean, we'll be keeping an eye on everything that's going on out there as well. Uh, Then you you know where to find Jacoby Criswell now, and uh, yeah, I mean, as as we mentioned ton of news on the recruiting trail the one place that you can find everything that's going on is www.heeltufflog.com read about all four of the five commit or all four of the commitments in the last 5 days see i'm just going nuts with everything that's been going on on this recruiting trail and that's just in the 2020 class there's also an article up there about 2021 commit Dontavius Nash who became the first commitment in the 2021 class this past weekend after the showtime camp. I mean, there are so many things going on with Tar Heel football on the recruiting trail, so make sure you keep up with everything. We also got an article up there where you can read who we think are the most important targets for the Tar Heels to land to continue this 2020 class. There are 10 guys up there. At the time that the idea for the article was uh, came about, there were only 15 guys committed in the class. So well, that makes a little bit of sense. Now landing all 10 of those guys probably won't happen, but there are some interesting names that you'll want to read about on there and just read who are the guys that we think the Tar Heels should prioritize. we got some big time information coming up about something that we're going to do before the South Carolina game. I want you guys to keep an eye on the Facebook page. That's the place where you can follow everything. Like and follow the Facebook page. It's Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. You can find everything you need there. Also, go over to Twitter and follow us at HeelToughBlog. Or you can just follow my account on Twitter as well, at Heel. That's where you can find all the information. I'll be retweeting stuff about Tar Heel football. That's pretty much my entire timeline. There's some other stuff that's sprinkled in there. Most of my other sports teams will also get on the timeline as well. But for the most part, it's Tar Heel football. So, we want to thank Phil Steele for stopping by. We want to thank you guys for listening as always and as always. Always go to our heels. <laughs>